Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first scripture lesson is the book of Genesis, chapter 45, verses 3 through 15. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that, I, that is my own mouth that speaks to you, you must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin Benjamin's neck and wept while Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are reading from the gospel of Luke, Luke 6, 27, 27 through 38. Words that are familiar and troubling. Listen for the word of the Lord. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. 
Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'll begin with an Irish blessing. May God bless those who love us and those who do not love us. May he turn their hearts. And if he does not turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles so we may know them by their limping. <laughs> oh, so hard today so difficult. This is one of those passages we know as Christians and even non-Christians know, turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Come on. It's so difficult. Let's take a step back. Let's look at Luke where we are today in chapter 6. And this is in Luke's sermon on the plane. Not the airplane, but a open space. And it is analogous to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Longer in Matthew, shorter in Luke, but still similar passages that they both took from Mark's gospel as a source and also from a mysterious source we don't know called the Q source. And they are somewhat similar but different. And it is a great understanding of Luke as Matthew's sermon on the mount, which means Jesus went up, probably so others could see him. They probably gathered on the bottom part of a lower hill, kind of an, get, try to get an amphitheater kind of understanding. But Luke, and this says a lot to us about who Luke is and what he is writing about and who he's writing to, puts Jesus on the same level and plane with everyone else. Luke, more than the other Gospels, is concerned with the poor, the marginalized, those who are oppressed, and he makes it clear all the way through his Gospel. This is one of those ways that Luke gives us a Jesus who came to overturn conventional systems of the day, and again, to welcome those who were not welcomed 
by anyone else to bring his brand of radical love. And so here we are, we're gathered, and in this crowd is a variety of different kinds of people. You have Gentiles, you have Jews, you have Pharisees, and you have Romans and Roman soldiers. And to this crowd that literally contain enemies of one another, we'll forget the Romans were enemies of the Israelites, the Jewish people. They had taken them over. They are oppressing them. They are in their land. So very much they are seen as enemies, as well as some Gentiles and Jews. Again, clean versus unclean. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Come on, Jesus. They're looking around, they're saying, are you kidding me? Think how difficult it is in our day to think whoever you would consider your enemy and then think about it in a day where it was more at risk, where our literal military and national enemies were coinciding with us, living in us, with us. Difficult words to hear in that day and difficult now. Well, let's, let's start with this cheek business. So again, one of the most familiar passages, we have turn the other cheek. Several interpretations, I hear a new one pop up every once in a while. Our traditional understanding is that if someone offends you in some way, that you have two cheeks here, you turn one and offer the other. And there's some good in that and there is some bad in that. The good in that is that we all know that it usually doesn't serve us or our situation well if we fly off the handle after we have been what we think is done wrong. If there's an injustice that's been done to us, whether it's a spouse, somebody in our family, whether it's, it's an employee relationship, whether it's somebody that cuts you off on I-85. We know it's never a good idea to mm, jump off. I know as a parent, when the girls were younger, we read all the books, we went to the seminars, and you can insert whatever acronym you want to help you remember but one of the things that most of those parenting books had in common was if you fly off the handle, you're not gonna be in the right kind of mind to help your child, yourself in that situation. So you take a step back, you breathe, you count to 10, you jump on one foot, you say whatever you say. But we also know the reality. When our buttons are pressed, sometimes we can't help it. We we shotgun it all over everybody. And then we have to deal with just what just came out. We often know the right thing to do. We can tell others the right way to respond to difficult situations. But when it comes to ourselves, that's the biggest challenge. How do we handle our anger, even when it's justified? So difficult. 
So turning of the cheek in the good way, yes, you can take a step back. You can, you can think before you, you send that text, that email, that tweet. I've done it. I know y'all have too, some of you. I shouldn't have sent out. I shouldn't have, no, get it back, get it back. It's too late. You responded without thinking. You did not turn the other cheek, and there's going to be a little bit of a mess to clean up. Good to take a second, take a breath. You don't need to go after somebody that did you wrong because chances are you're just going to make it worse. That person isn't going to give a hoot. Whatever you do, you're only harming yourself. Again, that's the right thing to say. But when we get into those moments, we know how difficult it is. So take a breath. Yes, turn that other cheek. Give yourself a moment. And then think about how to respond appropriately as a person of faith, Cheek with Jesus before you respond. What's then kind of the bad side of that? Well, this verse has also been interpreted as, well, we're Christians, we just take it. This passage talks about difficult things. Let me remind you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Hear me, friends. Jesus is not saying you stay in an abusive situation. Jesus is not saying it's okay for you to get beat up mentally, spiritually, physically, or in any other way. Well, Jesus got beat up. He let himself know that is a completely different situation and scenario. His kingdom was not of this earth. He went to that with God's will so he could bring in the kingdom that we now find ourselves in to foster and then one day be a part of as Messiah. If you're in a difficult situation, don't you dare use this passage to justify harming someone or allowing yourself to be harmed. Too much of that. Turn the other cheek, well, I'll just get beat up. That's okay, because that's what Jesus said. It isn't. So other interpretations, again, depending on who you listen to, others will pop up. I've heard this one fairly consistently the last few years, and that is in that biblical time, the way to treat someone in a subversive manner, to put them in their place as a second-class citizen, you take your right hand and you backhand them on the cheek. You'd be on your right cheek. And if someone backhands you, that is a move of subservience. You are dominating from a position of superiority. You turn the other cheek. You can't, it'll glance off. You make them take you as an equal and punch you directly in the face. Yes, I know, I know, I know. There's no good answers here. I'm just telling you. But you think about that and not allowing someone to treat you as a second-class citizen means you're going to take them head on. Can't help but think of Dr. King who started this process as uh, segregation was rampant 
being treated as second-class citizens by the structure of government laws, different places in the country. That metaphorical back slap that put African-Americans in a secondary role. He said, no, no. We will march nonviolently. We will make you approach and interact with us on an equal power level. And they took it straight on. But they made them treat them as something more than those second-class citizens. I hear others about you hit this way and you move that way and a ripple effect and does this and that. Fine, all good. I think both of those interpretations are fine. That first one, you turn the other cheek, yes. Take a second back from the anger that will only produce negativity or destruction or get yourself or someone else into hot trouble, hot water. And secondly, we are seeking to have all of us on the same playing field as Jesus did, Sermon on the Plain, so that we are equal and not subverting others or ourselves, second-class citizens, to anybody. So how you turn the other cheek is one challenge today. Second, Jesus is telling us to extend ourselves so that we can do what? That verse that we hear again and again and again. It is gone. Love others as you love yourself. One of the greatest repeated themes and passages throughout the Bible, starting all the way in the Torah and the Old Testament, at least Leviticus, all the way through New Testament. We hear it so often, it's become just one of those things, okay, I'll treat other, other, everybody equally, I'll try to do better. But it is a radical notion to treat others like yourself. And Jesus is waking us up with this radical command to love our enemies and to turn the other cheek. Well, what does this look like? How do we do that? So Wade Boggs played for the Boston Red Sox baseball. Great success, third baseman. But he hated one of, their, one of his big rivals was the New York Yankees. And he hated to go to Yankee Stadium, not because of the Yankees, but because of one fan. A fan that had box seats right by their dugout, a fan that every year would harass him from warm-up to the last out. And he hated this guy. didn't hate this guy. But he pushed him every year. Imagine being called for the hours that you're there every time. Same guy, same place. So the next time they go, Boggs is in warm-ups at Yankee Stadium. And sure enough, here comes his friend. Starts with his taunts. Starts chastising him. So Boggs puts his bat down, turning the other cheek. He has a bat. So he walks over to the guy. He takes out a baseball. He signs it. He throws it to him. He says, are you the guy that's been 
on me every time I'm here. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? New York, you know. <laughs> Takes a brand new baseball out, signs it, throws it to him, walks away without saying a word, and goes back to warm up. The guy never heckled him again. He could have responded in several different ways. He could have tried to have him thrown out and would have been justified. He could have not put down his bat when he went over to speak with him to have a different kind of conversation. He could have engaged in a verbal disagreement with him. But instead, and he must have thought about it because he was ready. He knew this was going to come again. What am I going to do this time? He extended himself to make a difficult situation better. And when we do that, often that blessing comes back on us. Now, nice little perfect story, preacher. All nice little bow, well done. But we know darn well, all of us, that sometimes it's not going to end well or as we would intend or hope or want Sometimes when you extend yourself and reach out to somebody who is different, who may need help, or who may believe something, or have a different background, a different political party, sometimes you're going to extend yourself and somebody's going to take that ball you just gave them, all pretty new and signed by you, and when you go back to warm-ups, they're going to throw it and hit you in the back of the head. That's reality. But what we are called to is to continue this kingdom building that Christ started when he came. Both the Sermon on the Mount and Sermon on the Plain are seen as similar to when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, to give the law. Jesus is laying down this new law about what he is here to do. And at the end of the day, it boils down to loving one another as you love yourself. <laughs> That's so hard. Who can do that? I don't know. But we start by thinking about how we respond to difficult people in difficult situations. And I'm not talking about situations where your life is in peril. Well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek, so I'm not going to fight back. I'm not even talking about our military who are in combat situations. Am I saying, if you all put your weapons down, join hands and walk out into the open, that will cause the enemy to put their weapons down, come out into the open, and we all sing together and circle dance. Miracles happen, but that's not the point. This is more so in the day-to-day -day way that we live, we treat one another, the way that we extend ourselves in love to others and then we reap the benefits of that when it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it does. We are only being more and more divided by politics. We have already entered the next presidential election cycle. Not going to get any better even after this is who we are becoming if we allow this. But if we can push ourselves to open ourselves up, it's not going to work every time, but sometimes it will. And when it clicks and when it connects 
And even when it doesn't, you know you're doing what you've been called to do. You extend your hand and somebody slaps it away. You've extended your hand. That's what you're called to do. Maybe it's 50%, maybe one in two, one in five, one in 10. But when it hits, amazing things happen. Can't help but think of some of our formerly homeless friends, Matt and Tina, that we met September 9th at one of our church fellowship functions, and for the next several months, they slept here in our entryway. We helped them when we could. I wasn't able to see that they were mentally or physically impaired in any way or chemically impaired. They had spark, they had life, they were articulate and wanting to find a new way forward. So they came to Wednesday nights, they mostly came to 8.45 just about every Sunday. That's one of those groups that we often look at and we think, ah, we know how all that rolls. They're all on this, they're all working us for that. And there's a lot of that, I'm not gonna say there isn't. But this is a case where we reached out and we seek to help them as they share their ministry with us. Matt is an amazing street preacher, and I hope we get him back at some point. So now they're off the street. They're together. At last understanding, she was working at the Waffle House. Matt had had his benefits reinstated from his army service, and they were moving forward. They're going to stumble. Might they have trouble? Of course, this is a journey. But that was an example of us reaching out and seeking to help those who we might easily just write off. One more case. There's a young man whose name is Derek Black. Derek Black grew up as the godson of David Duke and the son of Don Black, who was the Grand Wizard of the KKK. When David Duke went to run for office, his father, Don, took that position. Derek Black grew up as a kid who started a website for children that was a version of the adult one for their white supremacist group. This was his life, this is what he knew. So, Derek is homeschooled, and this is not a negative for homeschooling, but he had had very little interaction or encounters with anybody who was different than they were. That was the mindset. So Derek goes to college, goes to New College in Sarasota, Florida diverse population, even leaning left in their school thought, policies, functions, politics. And it wasn't long before Derek started to see and encounter people who were different and people who he had always been told were this way or that way that didn't seem to be those ways at all. He even started dating a Jewish girl but one of the biggest changes was from Matthew, who was 
an Orthodox Jew, the only one at the school. And every Friday, he would have dinners in his home or apartment or dorm, wherever they lived, and welcome others to join him in that celebration. Not necessarily other Jews, just anybody who wanted to come and have dinner in conversation. And nobody knew about Matt's past until he was discovered with some of his writings, this website, even part of a radio station. And then his cover was blown. And Matthew took that opportunity to welcome him to that dinner. And that started a chain event that was 2010. And he kept meeting people. He kept attending these dinners. And by 2013, through the Southern Poverty Law Center, which was left leaning in an enemy to the white supremacy organization, he wrote an article where he condemned and stepped away from the white supremacy life. Stepped away from his family, from his belief, all of his friends, all that he had known growing up. Because what he discovered that he was, what he was told was wrong. And that in spending time with these people that he knew how they were and what their problems were and how more superior he and his were was wrong. Now the, the coming together point was both from Matthew who invited him knowing who he was and from Derek to say, yes, I will go to a dinner with these people that I have ridiculed all of my life. He had to extend himself, both of them, to one another, and they both received the blessings. And in this case, it did work. So it took three years. It wasn't overnight. Kingdom building is hard. Again, we will lose some. It will hurt some but sometimes it will work. And this young man's been interviewed all over the place, um, wrote a book or was a part of a book, Raising Out of Hatred, The Awakening of a Former White Nationalist. He even sat down with Oprah. (gasps) A direct example of when we extend ourselves as Christ is telling us to do, It's not so much our political enemies as far as military, but yes, they are people. And we are being pushed to experience and engage and lead this radical love of Christ in this time and in this place. So number one, figure out how to use your cheeks. Cheek with Jesus first when you're responding to something or someone or some situation that has done you wrong. And then the challenge this week is to see where you can extend yourself to those that we think are different. And then know that that blessing will come and that relationship will grow and so will the kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen.